last week on Lore Seekers. Lore lesson number 67, my friends. We are talking the fourth era. This is when gets real. At the end of the day, what this is creating, and again, we've talked about this on the show, is a story. A story that you can share whenever you're playing with somebody. Hey, remember when it used to be like this, or this was this, or this was that? You know, and that's really, at the end of the day, what MMOs do for you. One of the things that made me happy was to hear Rich say, when, he, when they were presenting this, was to hear Rich say, we do hear you. We are not ignoring what you're asking. Greetings, travelers. Welcome to the Law Seekers podcast. Grab an ale and join our two adventurers as they share their tales of misadventure in the land of Tamriel. Here they are at their usual table. Jibs and cash. Oh, the divines have shined. I am healed. Dang it, you knocked the tack off this seat I put right before I you sat down. Healed. I saw that. I saw what you did. <laughs> I mean, what kind of guy does that? You know? Like this you guy. Could, you could have done a million can I get you, boy? different things. Uh, hi. Well, hello. She is on point tonight. You are earning your pay. Uh, I'll take a... I'll take a cum... 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 Cumley winch whiskey, please, for me. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'll take a rye in your eye, please. Rye in your eye. Coming right up. <laughs> oh. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Michael Scott. <laughs> Michael. I can't stop. I do it all week long. It, this is your fault. <laughs> I walk around saying, that's what she said, and false, and... I'm doing all kinds of false freaking the office stuff. It's hilarious. Yeah, that does not get old. Mm-mm. That does not get old. So how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. Yeah. And uh I've <laughs> been great. I, I don't know, you know, I think I'm just at this point where I'm fully in this realization state that I love my life. I truly do. And I'm not trying to take this to to a deep place, but man. I just, I am so blessed to be able to go to work, have an amazing family, have this incredible hobby that I absolutely love. And then on top of that, get to create things around this hobby and play this amazing game and have this amazing community to be surrounded by. I just, I freaking love my life. I love you. I love everybody in chat. I love everybody listening. I love you all. I love... Rug. <laughs> I love lamp. Brick, are you just saying, looking around the room and saying you love things that you can see? Loud noises! Yes. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. That's a good place to be. That's a good yeah. place to be. That's mm-hmm. a good place How are you? I'm fan-freaking-tastic. I'm feeling better. Turns out, amoxicillin is does wonders for making you feel better this morning. Yeah. I called my doc. I'm like, look, this thing's still here. I need something. So 12 hours later, here we are. A bing, bang, boom. Jibs is back, baby. Feeling good. Man. Yeah. Like, you still had it? Because, like, the, yeah. the entire past week that I've been talking to you, you sounded amazing after that last show that we recorded last week. Or, no, it wasn't even that. It was the, um, yeah, because we recorded our show. We weren't live. Right. Yeah, we had. And to- then we, we streamed. Yeah. And you sounded 
like you were getting over it a little bit, but like the past three, four days, you've sounded fine. I didn't know that you were still feeling poopy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this has been about a week and a half. And and I was talking to uh, one of the people from, uh, actually, it was uh, Midnight Matt, so I'm going to call him from now on, in uh, Lore Secret Discord. And turns out, he's north of me, uh, where I live, and uh, they're dealing with something as well. It's just like it doesn't go away. The strain, whatever it is, it's just not going. Like, it's just hanging out. I'm like, we're not mm. friends, you know. Mm, I didn't invite you here. Manhattan flu. Mm -hmm. Definitely Manhattan flu. Definitely. That's what the slow do. Definitely. But in other news, uh, I got my, uh, I got my necro healer to fifty. Yes, you did. Ding dong, baby, ding dong. Yeah, and then we went and ran some scale call the other night. That was fun. Yes, oh, it, was, it fun. was fun, and I was, I mean, I was really excited that you kept us all alive until we died. A couple uh, times. You, you died we once. Didn't. We did. I, I can confirm really well. <laughs> I definitely nodded off during one poll. But I Yeah, it was it was late for you. I was I, I don't know. Yeah. I I offered Yeah, no we excuses. gotta get you we maybe gotta get you some meth or something for those late night uh, <laughs> gaming sessions. Uh just keep you awake. Cause you I mean you do go radio silent after a few minutes and then like someone will pop in channel like, Hey everybody, and then all of a sudden you'll be like, Oh hey, what's going on? And you actually admitted it last night that um not gonna lie, I was asleep for like that entire last poll. <laughs> and we we're like, well, it's good to know we needed a healer anyway. Could have taken another DPS and been out of here 10 minutes ago. I just wanted to, uh, you know, keep you all on your toes. But, uh, no. Was... Well, that doesn't happen on vet content. No, definitely. We were just like blasting through to get your gear. Yeah, that would do on normal. And, I tell you what, like, yeah, it's easy. You know, we were, I'll talk all day long how vet scale caller is legit. But, you know, you go into that thing normal, and we're just pummeling everything. But you know what was good is that even though, like, we had plenty of DPS, we had a great tank, and, and obviously Jibs is a solid healer. And we, we got in there, and the thing that I like about our community is that we're still going through the mechanics. So we'll get to every boss and, and explain it. Even if, you know, maybe if somebody's a little bit fuzzy, or if everybody kind of understands it, then we're good. But... We still explain the mechanics and half, you know, by the time we get through whatever boss we're killing, we just melt their face. Right. And they don't even get through their mechanics. So, right. but it's nice to know that we're, you know, in that repetition of actually playing the game the way the game is designed. And, and we kind of pride ourselves on it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's been going on. And, uh, yeah, just enjoying ESO. That's, uh, that's what's been happening. Lots and lots nice. of heels, lots and lots of stuff. But anyway, well, uh, are you are you, are you ready to, to get her to get her done? I am. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My my week in gaming was is grinding. Oh, I'm I just, didn't ask you. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, I'm just. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of lackluster. Um, I've played, still got to play every day, and mm -hmm. uh, still playing on my Magplar. I really, really enjoy the Magicka Templar. I'm really liking him, and I'm getting messages from people going, so you think this one's going to stick here, dummy? <laughs> and I go, man, stuck today. <laughs> so, but yeah, well, I'm really enjoying him. You don't know. <laughs> um, I'm really enjoying him, and actually, yeah, there's there's a couple people in Guild that I'm seeing that are trying the same build that I'm trying. I'm uh, doing a Zynode's off-balance Magicka Templar build, and I'm really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, I rolled a necro healer. Yeah, for the sole purpose of getting transmute stones from battlegrounds and PvP. But right. he, it turns out I like him yeah. a lot. 
Yeah, that's good. Really fun for PvP. That's awesome. Resto, resto front bar, uh, sword and board back bar, and he's doesn't do any damn damage, but he sure heals like crazy. Yeah, he does. He keeps he keeps you up. Yeah, so he's fun. Just some veteran content this week. <clears throat> you know, getting into the some of the harder stuff, and I'm trying to make that like my baseline. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like instead of just queuing up for dungeons, like we're doing the hard stuff just so yeah. that's what I'm used to. Right. And the reason being, I'm getting ready to dive back into veteran maelstrom. Yeah, you are. We're going to be talking about that a little bit today on the show. Yes, we are. So, uh, well, I think we should just, without further ado, let's get this going. So, everybody, welcome. This is the Lore Seekers podcast where we chitty chat about the Elder Scrolls Online. This is volume four, episode, f- volume four. Wow, volume five. Episode 4, we're your hosts, I'm Jordan Butts, Jibs for short, and uh, joined by Cash. I'm here, it's all, whenever you say that it sounds like Splash. I don't know how, it, you know, all these years of casting together, I, I've I've lost any kind of creativity for introducing you. I always just end with an S. <laughs> well, why don't you put 30 seconds into it and think of something snarky? Well, because I'm actually a kind soul, and... Ooh, um, kind of are. You know, I like to be nice. Maybe that's why I don't. That doesn't mean that I'm going to stop kicking you in the nuts. Cause <laughs> I will not. Cause that's it's, my fun for the week. You're like, happen. oh, I love getting on the show. It's that you're doing the show. That's like my highlight for the week. Well, mine is kicking you square in your gyms. <laughs> uh, well, friends, if you were here last week on the show, we talked QuakeCon. Yes, so stream details. Also talked uh, performance updates, ground store showcase, and finished up the eras we've uh did the lore lesson on the fourth era but this week on the show my friends this week we're talking your fan mail starting it off with you here in your emails and voicemails also the orsinium celebration event new details on the upcoming dungeon layer of marsalak elsewhere soundtracks back in the news uh dungeon lore makes its return and i forgot we were doing that one uh lore lesson on I'm really excited about this. You should be too. Buckle up because we're doing a lore lesson on the Dragon Guard. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. That's what I need. I need a sound bite from you from the. I need one of those. Which one? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I'll be doing that this week. Well, you know, in your ever. I've lo- been looking for you. Oh, hi. Got something I'm supposed to deliver. Your hands only. Thank, thanks so much. Do you want a drink? Why does he wear heels? I don't know. Is he from Holland? I don't know. His <laughs> wooden shoes on. Isn't that weird? Maybe that's his hobby. Maybe it's his thing. You know, everyone's got a thing. Yeah, normally you keep Why your fetishes. Gimmick? You, you keep your fetishes behind closed doors. You don't wear them into a bar. Well, I mean, I wear Crocs to weddings, so you know, what's the difference? There is zero difference. <laughs> okay, you're right. I mean, you have me. <laughs> zero difference. All right, friends. Well, it's that time for the mail. You send us your stuff over at loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com. Or if you call us, which is 765-382-6961. Well, you know, we believe uh, we switched this up a while ago, starting the show off with you, because we want to hear from you and what you have to say. So first up, we've got Aluminum Siding. (laughs) I love introducing that name. It makes me smile. Aluminum signing off. Yeah, yeah, he is. Hey, what's going on? Uh, on ESO Music. Let's take a listen. Hey, guys. This is Ryan, uh, a.k.a. Aluminum Siding in the Guild. 
I just got a quick question with the uh, release of the Elsewhere soundtrack. If you guys have a favorite song from ESO and what what it is, I will say that mine has to be North Point Nocturne. It's probably my favorite. Also, I want to thank you guys for uh, helping me get through this week, you and the community, especially uh, Post, for making me laugh. I've lost my second Khajiit this year, and it's been a rough time, but you guys have been getting me through it. Uh, thanks again for what you do, and uh, love you guys. All right. Thank you. Love right back at you, and I know exactly how it feels to lose a Khajiit. Yeah. It sucks. So I'm really sorry to hear that, man. Absolutely. But anyway, what's your what's your uh, what's your favorite ESO music? I feel like you're googling right now because you were I, real I, silent I want after the that name statement. of it. Normally, you never I, shut up. No, <laughs> oh a thousand middle fingers are stabbing you in your eye right now. <laughs> you seen that gift where it's like that? Oh, never mind. That's not that's not a middle finger. Never mind. All right, so good. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I used to love, and I think, I don't know if the name of the song is Solitude, but it's the theme of Solitude. I used to absolutely love that song, and this is no joke. When I write lore, or research, or whatever I'm doing for the show, I have a really good set of headphones it's either these ones or if i'm if i'm on my laptop then i have a you know really good decent you know surround sound headset that i put on and i go to youtube and i look up kind's piece it is a compilation of music on youtube that blows my freaking mind every single time i never get tired of listening to it now that being said with the release of elsewhere and the very unique sounds that come out of that music. I have a new favorite song from Elder Scrolls, and it happens to be Elder Scrolls Online. It is called The Clash of Fang and Flame. It is the song that you hear when you log into the game. It is that one with the very, I don't even know, are they cellos or I, I don't know. They make me freaking cry. I freaking love that song. I could listen to it on a loop over and over and over again. So anyway, a clash of fang and flame. Mm, okay. Okay. Good choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Uh, you know, for me, it's... When it comes to ESO, I know this is probably like, well, yeah, okay, because you're in a tavern. Well, no. Like, it really does. It sticks sticks out to me. Mainly because the entire experience that follows it. For me, it's the bard's. And I know that's not like a specific track, but that's not the bars from Somerset, is it? No, you cannot come back from those bars <laughs> in Somerset. That is, that was like the regular bard was on vacation, and they're like, "Here, we need you to fill in," and she showed up. I just, I when I walk by that, I don't mean to interrupt your story, but when I walk by that, I want to like just give her just a big hug mm. and just squeeze and put my hand over her mouth. <laughs> And then let her go. I don't want to end it. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> I just want to scare her a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> then just let her sink. That's so terrible. That's awful. I'm but, just kidding. I'm no, just kidding. She, uh, <laughs> really though, the Somerset Bard is absolutely awful. I just want to say that there. I said it. Um, but uh, no, I love the Bards in ESO mainly because you go in there and you sit, 
And it's everything else that follows that makes that music for me. So it's the atmosphere. You're seeing the people drinking, talking, people, even players coming in and out. Sometimes I just go in a tavern and I'll just sit there and just watch and listen. And to me, and you know, I know we kind of carry that over here in the show, but uh, to me, it's just like, oh, it's like, it's like the, the equivalent of um, of those, uh, the Khajiit and elsewhere, where they're in the sand and they're doing their slow, like, uh, not dance, but, you know, like their combat thing they're doing. The little Tai Chi looking thing. The little Tai right Chi, the, uh, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. very beginning opening quest. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. The, I think the first time that the music really struck me, the bard music anyway and elsewhere really struck me, and I think I talked about this on the show. I'm pretty sure it's, Rimen is the first. Is that the first city that you go to? Uh, is it Riverhold? Uh, it's well, technically, yeah, it'd be Riverhold. Yeah, Riverhold. So when you first, that makes sense because there's a bridge there. So you cross over the little river and you go into the bridge, and then that first, it's tucked onto the right. There's a tavern right tucked onto the right. I forget what the name of it. It's got a really kind of cool name. But when I walked in there for the first time. I stopped and just went, whoa. And I was listening to the bard in yes. Riverhold, and I was blown away. Yeah, agreed 100%. And there's other pl- there's players that have that, that mentality as well, because you can tell when... Um, that's one of my favorite things, too, is just watching other players. So they go in there, and there's many people doing the same thing, just sitting there, standing there, listening. Like That's such a yep. crucial part of... It's funny how that's such a crucial part of the uh, chapter experience now. Yeah, I mean, when you want to talk about immersing yourself in the world, that is one of the ways that I do it. Yeah. I really do enjoy that. And you know what I think I'm going to do in the very near future that I... Something I really haven't dived into. Dived, dove, doven, divid. Fishing. Yeah. I think I'm going to do a whole lot more fishing. Yeah? You're going to go for the master uh, angler? I think I'm just going to fish and listen to the music and enjoy the game and the surroundings and finding new fishing spots and Yelled a bit. yelling at people when they try and fish my hole. Get out of my hole. Get out of my hole. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, next up, we've got uh, on the next voicemail, we've got Eremetheus, who's the host of Written in Uncertainty, the SO podcast. Let's take a listen. Hello, Law Seekers. This is Aramithius. I just wanted to say thank you ever so much for the shout-out on your show last week, and thanks ever so much also to all the guild members that were busily keeping me company in Discord while I was fantastically bored out of my mind on a hospital bed. I am now out and on the mend, although not allowed to drive yet, and with one more piece of machinery inside me. It's all good. And just one question for you guys. You talked last week about various things that were happening in Skyrim and the continuity of pretty much as far as we can take it in the Elder Scrolls games so far, like stuff's happened. What do you think about how Bethesda's going to resolve all the possibly mutually exclusive stuff that's going on in the Elder Scrolls V? How do you think the things like the Civil War, the Dark Brotherhood, the assassination of Titus Mead II and all that's going to pan out? With all the new stuff that they've brought out for the Elder Scrolls Online in a period of history that's been apparently all and over and done with and they might suddenly unearth all this new stuff. I have a rough theory based on some throwaway lines from the Elder Scrolls 3 but I would absolutely love to hear what you guys thought was going to happen. Okay. 
So, wants to know what we think's gonna happen. Hmm. I, I have think... no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think I think we're both on the same page there. Um, but what I do think that they're probably going to do um, with the differences, and especially like if there's exclusive rights in between the online version and or the single player versions. Hopefully some of the things get tied together in lore books. Now we've have found some discrepancies in the past where there's been maybe a lore book or two that are in Elder Scrolls online that are maybe from a different era, but maybe there's explanations for that. We don't know. Is a dragon break somewhere in the mix. We don't know. There's all kinds of things that can happen with time. So I don't think we're really in a position to make like any hard and fast. This is what I think is going to happen. And, you know, because I just like, I personally don't think that we're there with lore. You know, as deep as we've dug into lore, I think we are still just kind of hitting the surface. Maybe every once in a while we'll take kind of a deep dive. But I hope that whatever does happen in between the storylines it does get tied into our game. You know, into Elder Scrolls Online. I like how I call that our game. <laughs> like Elder Scrolls 6 won't be our game, but yeah, it, we'll be playing the crap out of that too. But um, yeah, this is our game. So and that's my personal thought. You know? I think, you know, too deep. I, th- I feel like... I mean, I would assume they're going to put some kind of nod to the, in the least to the lore of what took place in ESO, because regardless of what people think, you know, it's not an RPG, it's not, you know, my single-player experience, I can put all my mods in it and do what I want, put Mario in Skyrim, you know. That's a good voice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's you know, pretty good. You know, it's just like, I feel like, I would hope that there's some kind of nod to the ESO carrying the torch, because they have been. Whether you like MMORPGs or not, doesn't. <laughs> I'm seeing chat. Doesn't matter what people think. They've been carrying the torch. They've added to this universe. They've added stories. They've added. Um, gosh, just imagine the dragon breaks they've added. Potential dragon breaks. I mean, you know, you're you're right and. I didn't want to bring this up. I I really didn't want to because I didn't want to disparage anybody. But I read an article about how about how people were so they're so upset that Elder Scrolls went online and went to the MMO space. And I know there's people out there that are are super single player RPG heavy. Like that's their thing. That's what they like to do. And there is absolutely zero wrong with that. I mean, if that's your stick, that's your stick. I like that too, but I love it when an IP that I love, and I know we've talked about this one several times where there's an IP that I love goes into the multiplayer space. And the reason being is exactly what has happened with Elder Scrolls Online, which is profound. It started off rough. We all know that. It did not land rough. 
It's no. like it's like it hit some turbulence on its takeoff for about four years, and things leveled out. No, two and a half years. Yeah, and you know you're flying in this plane that's hitting some turbulence, and then everything levels out, and now all of a sudden you come through the clouds. Exactly. And there's all these amazing, beautiful sights to be seen, and nothing but a a smooth, smooth flight. That's how I see what this game is going through now. And then when we talk about the content, the amount of content in the game, I will remember, I don't remember who said this, but I remember hearing it several times. It's like taking all of the other Elder Scrolls games and putting that amount of content into an MMO. Yeah, and that's where we've landed with Elder Scrolls Online, and we ha- the one thing that we have to think of and remember is this game is it's a daunting task to think about finishing all the content in this game. That is the amount of lore that has been written for the Elder Scrolls series as a whole, right in Elder Scrolls Online. It's yeah, insane. I agree 100%. And really, at this point, I would say ESO has definitely more content than any single Elder Scrolls RPG title. And that's not me being a fanboy, because trust me, I'm a huge fan, especially of Oblivion, Marland. I mean, realistically, this game has far vastly more content than those either of those games provide, even Skyrim. And, right. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's not for everybody, but it's what we have right now. And, uh, you know, I definitely look forward to Elder Scrolls 5 or 6, wherever we're going, 6. And uh, it's going to be a good time. So. Yep. And we will talk about it. We will play it. Oh. But that is a conversation we will be having. (laughs) All right. So next up, we got an email from Gaz. Now, I had to shorten this one just a little bit, but here we go. Firstly, just a massive shout-out to you guys from the Emerald Isle, Ireland. That is awesome. Thank you for listening. I love Ireland. Your country is beautiful. My cousin Charlie and I discovered your podcast last year, and I can say without a doubt that this is the best, not just one of the best, but the best podcast I have ever listened to, and I have listened to many over the years. So thank you both so much for such high-quality content, lore lessons, and humor. Please keep up the good work for many years to come. That being said, yeah, no kidding. Thank you very much. It's very nice of you. Appreciate that. Um. Wow. Question. My cousin has very recently left the UK as he was given the opportunity to work in New Zealand as a psychiatrist. Of course, we are still planning ESO to be our main way to keep in contact from two opposite ends of the planet. He had this question for me, which I was unable to answer before he left. Are there any problems with playing ESO on a PS4 from New Zealand if his account is set up for EU server? Also, are there any connection issues that he should be aware of? This is just a general question for any members of Lore Seekers who may be from that part of the world, Australia included, and what way do they normally play? Yeah. Okay. So that that is a whopper of a question for two podunk Americans who play on the North American server. So I had to do a little bit of research on this. Um, we do have some folks who play in Australia on the North American server. Uh, One of them being Blood Eye, who is our raid lead, uh, trials lead, and um, 
she every once in a while i you know she runs into issues every once in a while but from for the most part she's able to play the game without any issues now um doing a little bit of research for you i did find some info and i don't know how much you guys are gonna like it or not but anyway um north american server some or somebody playing from new zealand on the north american server the pings are around this is just from forum posts and stuff like that where people kind of asking the same question sure pings are around 200 to 250 and they could spike now the issue seems to be pvp i can see that 100 that seems to be a problem because right now i mean even on a on a pretty darn stable connection in the north american servers we're having some issues um in Cyrodiil. That can be a problem. I don't really run into them very much in Battlegrounds, and that's a majority of the PvP that I do. Um, but other than that, like, PvE seems really to be just fine if you are North American server playing from New Zealand. Now, that's North American, and you guys are specifically asking for EU. I can imagine it's only better over there, right? Yeah. The stuff that I read, they were saying that um, it's just safer if you live in those regions, New Zealand mm. included, to play North American than EU. No kidding. That, now, that I don't take this as gospel. That is just the research that I did. I probably looked maybe 15 minutes to try and get a good answer for this. And that's, that's where I landed. Now, that being said, these gentlemen play on PS4. So I don't know if there's any differences there either i really don't so, know i just i mean the fact that where they're going to be located i feel like that'd be more in their favor you know than being in in a um but it could I, be but i mean a lot of those regions have you know their like their internet is just different than ours that's true that's so true I, and well. i'm not saying that ours is better because you know we certainly have our own issues here but um yeah man i'm sorry i can't give you like a super definitive answer i think that would probably be like maybe even if you were to go to the forums for those regions, it might be better. But just, you know, on a quick Google search, I, like I said, I probably looked like maybe 15 minutes to try and get you some info. And that's the info that I was seeing is that most people from New Zealand are going to North American servers. Awesome. So, okay. Yeah. Well, well done. Oh, by the way, Charlie's in chat. Hello, then. Hello, Charlie. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, Absolutely. All right, friends. Well, thank you so much. And remember, you can always email us, loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com, or you can call us, 765-382-6961. goes right to our voicemail. Don't worry. You, you, can, you can hang up. I, we've had people do that. They'll leave us a voicemail, and mid-voicemail, they'll go, oh, man, and then they'll hang up. <laughs> call back and try again. You can do that if you need to. Do whatever you got to do. <laughs> Feel free to call us. That being said, it's time for the news. Ah. Whew, that was a little hot. Sorry about that, chat. <laughs> all right, well, we've got a lot of news, and this all just kind of dropped within a 24-hour period. I really didn't think we were going to have any news today, so that's why I'm like, all right, let's do a dungeon alarm. I'll fill that in there. But uh, <laughs> Now we're double full. Now we're really full. Like a whole, eat a whole pizza kind of full. All right. So here's what oh, we're well, why don't you just do that? I mean, you're already having beer, broker diet, whatever. Well, you know what? I'm kind of thinking about it. And then I'm kind of thinking about uh, maybe a little cupcakes, a little bit of brownies, a little bit of blackberry pie. Oh, my God. I can hear you getting fatter. <laughs> I can literally hear it. 
I just want to show you something on the camera so you can see it. Do you see this? Yes. This is what sticking to keto looks like. Yes, I know what sticking to keto looks like. Hey, you know what else being a man looks like? It's called having a beard. Why don't you think about one? All right, so, ladies and gentlemen, here we... <laughs> I love it how he moves on. It's like his subtle way of muting me so that I can't even <laughs> say anything. All right, I don't have a beard. That's because I have a man oh. job. I have a oh. man job. That's cute. Where you have to look presentable, not like, a, not like a homeless guy. That's cute. That's real cute. <laughs> Bless your heart. I love you. <laughs> I hate you. I hope you crap your pants tomorrow. All right, well, <laughs> earn all new rewards during the Orsidium Celebration event is coming to us from... ESO official. So, quote, venture into the snow-capped mountains of Rothgar during the Rosinium celebration event for bonus rewards in the zone and Maelstrom Arena. So, here's what you need to know. If you're listening on release day, which would be Friday, guess what? It's going on right now. And it's going on through August 19th. Now, here's the deals. You can get some sweet deals during this event. One of those being... Starting right now, you can pick up the entire Orsinium DLC at 60% off. The DLC game pack includes access to Rothgar, the, and the zone and the story, as well as the well-talked Melster Marina. Next, additionally, you can pick up the Pariah's Pinnacle Home. Cash, I know you were looking at this. Both furnished and unfurnished at a discount as well. Does that mean that it's available now? Uh, as a recording the end of the date, week. check tomorrow. Yeah, my crowns yeah. are going. My crowns are going bye bye. There they go. They're I've been waiting away. for that house for a year. Really? I yes. Didn't know this one meant that Pariah's much. Pinnacle. Yes, that this is going to be our new guild hall. It is awesome. I can't wait. I'm excited. Yeah, maybe you can help decorate it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll pull a uh, I'll paint some pictures like uh, Bob Ross. Oh God! Will you everybody wear the need, wig? Everybody needs a friend. Will you wear the wig? Happy little trees. Maybe I'll wear the wig. Move on! You're freaking me out. ESO Plus members can take advantage of the special deal on the Malakath Furnishing Bundle, Summit Lord Silken Robes costume, and Craglorn Welwa pet. Ugh! And it, yeah, because if you want to have a Going to have Satan running around with you. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the ugliest creatures known oh, to everyone ever, said Jibs. All right. So, in addition, ESL Plus members acquire the Arsenium Collector Bundle at 60% off. Now, this includes the DLC game pack, the Cave Bear Mount, a Cave Bear uh, Cub Pet, and five Crown experience scrolls so there's that during the event you can earn the following bonus rewards when adventuring in rothgar one double reward double items harvested from crafting nodes if you can find any if you can find any but by the way this does not include nodes spawned from survey reports so just heads up on that uh double the rewards received from chess and maelstrom arena for both vet and normal difficulties <sighs> okay you said that i totally had like got rut got Gut rot, rot gut. Appreciate if you could talk. Uh, double the number of reward boxes received by completing Rothgar's daily quest. Uh -huh. You're uh -huh. just gonna, you're gonna 
just glance right by what I was going to say. What? Oh, including... I'm super nervous. I'm going back to Maelstrom, Vet, Vet Maelstrom Marina. Can't even talk you today. Know what? You know what? Your Templar is putting out vastly superior DPS than your Sork that you originally went with. It doesn't mean I'm any better in the game. Doesn't well, mean I, I, like high DPS I suck means, less. It means you may suck a little less. Yeah, I'm starting to see folks in our guild are like starting to go radio silent because they're all going into Maelstrom to give it a shot. Like, is this even worth doing on Vet? It's totally wants- worth doing on Vet, but you have to be ready for a lot of frustration. Chat wants us to stream Bob Ross painting jibs. Only if he wears the wig. <laughs> All right, Zaz has also added some new rewards exclusive to this event. You got the Maelstrom weapon outfit styles and Orsinium furnishings. Sounds if like a whiskey burp there. You like to sit uh, on stone. Yeah, Maelstrom weapon outfit styles. Now, this is a new thing. All right, this is new. Okay, so let's read through this here. Throughout the event, when you complete a run through the Maelstrom Arena, you have a chance to receive a Maelstrom weapon outfit style page. Should you complete the arena on vet difficulty, you are guaranteed a page. When earned by completing the arena, the pages can be traded or sold, but the impresario also stocks amount bound, account bound, I'm sorry, pages for five event tickets each as well. Hmm. So you can go earn them in Maelstrom and sell them, or you can just go buy them. That makes me even more nervous to get my butt in there. You're going to make a lot of money. You, you can could. Do vet. Well, yeah, yeah. You can do know. vet. I can't do vet, but I know you can. You can do vet. You can heal the crap out of vet. <laughs> <laughs> Just get in there and drop all your AOEs on the monsters. You're not dying today. I heal you. Breath of life. Breath of life. No, I don't breath of life. Whatever you do. I raise darkness from, from the depths of the earth. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, all right, so Orsinium Furnishings. For this event only, a select group of orc-themed furnishings, not recipes, are available at the Empresario, because she's back, yay, with prices varying between one or two event tickets each. Now, that being said, event tickets. They're back. Here we go. Orsinium Celebration event also provides you with an opportunity to earn event tickets. Yay. During the event, you can earn event tickets for the following activities. Two event tickets per day for completing any Rothgar Delve Daily, or two event tickets per day for completing any Rothgar World Boss Daily. Here's a quick note. You can earn only two tickets per day, meaning how you earn both tickets is up to you. You can earn up to 24 total tickets during this event. Which, by the way, Endric thing's back. If you're into that, new berries, Onyx berries are there. So there's Yes. And, well, this is the um, this is the dark one, right? Yeah, yeah. You can get the black one. I think there's a picture of it on the website, and yeah. So that one does look pretty cool. Yeah. Hendrick feathers, onyx berries of budding. The onyx berries of budding. Yeah. Hmm. So that one's cool, but I I'll say this again, sauce. My friends at Zenimax Online, we are ready. Or a new morphable mount. We're ready. I don't think that's happening next year. But that being said, because you totally know, I'm totally, I'm totally over, I'm totally over this, this Ender thing. 
mean, no one's listening just between you, you and me. But you know what? At least, at least I'll say this. They probably are figuring out that a lot of people are over it. Um, at least this in the Indrick mount. I'm just not into the Indrick mounts, but I am into the other stuff that the impresario is stocking. Yes, 100%. Great. Yes. yes. So that yes. was smart. Like, okay, yep. so you can do yep. and we'll have, let her have some other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, that being said, that is the Orsinium event. All right. So uh, next up, we got uh, Face the Corrupting Influence of a New Dragon in Lair of Marslock. It's coming to us from ESO Official. And uh, we're getting some uh, juicy deets on the layer of Marcelot Dungeon. Oh, so, yeah, buddy, this is going to be fun. I love this quote. Whoever wrote this, well done. You did good. Quote, deep beneath the border mountains of eastern Grotwood, the dragon known as Marcelot wakes with the release of his brethren from the halls of Colossus. Hungry and vengeful, the terrible beast has ravaged the wilds and his corrupting power threatens the Elden Root tree if left unchecked. Oh, he's hungry. Oh, man, that sounds so good. Somebody yes. ought to get him a bowl of Cap'n Crunch. <laughs> so he's not so angry. And a bear for carbs. All right, so ASO's uh, Dungeon Lee, Mike Finnegan said, quote, Marcelloc exudes corruption. It seeps into everything he touches, from the ground to the trees and plants, and then to the animals. Needless to say, a society built on respecting nature is at odds with this type of corruption. It threatens their li- entire reason for existing, end quote. Oh, this is built perfectly within the lore of Gratwood. I'm just going to say that. Perfectly. Perfectly. And judging from the pictures of Marcelloc, or his lair, yeah. it's very Gratwood. It's yeah. very Valenwood. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. So, um, let's see. Probably hope somebody get on the right screen here. I'm trying to get this for the stream. But anyway, I'll just keep going. Uh, where was that? Oh, Dungeon Lord. All right, so failing to deal with the monsters on their own, the Wood Elves have reached out to an unlikely pair for help. The Forest Spirit Selene and her captor, the Warlock Carindon. Now that is an old plug right there. That's Selene's web. Nope, that's the Selene's web right there. That's the that is the result of Selene's web quest. The quest there in that dungeon. Oh, I like it, dude. Did you tell me more? This is this is good stuff. We should we should probably go play uh, Selene's web. You and I and everyone else listening. We should probably go do Celine's Web on Fresh Tunes just to hear that story again. Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to have to do it on Fresh Tunes. Or we could right. do a, a dungeon lore on it. Oh, there you go. Let's let's do that sometime. That'd That's be great. what we do. Then we can have a fruitful conversation about what happened with Celine and her captor, Warlock Carindon. This is what we do. It is what we do. Uh, with their help, you and your team must venture into Marcelloc's domain and put a stop to his rampages before blight can spread any further. When you set foot into this new dungeon, you'll discover a natural world decaying under the awoken dragon's influence. Finnegan continued, in quotes, uh, in addition to the corrupted wildlife, the previous expedition of Bosmer, which was sent to deal with Marcelloc, are also now a threat. They have been corrupted. 
and players need to break that corruption the best way possible by beating it out of them. Dude, I when you I'm like looking at these screenshots here and god do they just nail it with screenshots when they're trying to hype you up for something. Oh, oh my god. But you 100%. can you can see the corruption on the ground. Yeah. It's like it's growing. Yeah. And it's all not over your... the ground, all over the statues and all the things that are there and you can yeah. literally see the blight. It's bitching. Yeah. That's my, one of my favorite things too is because it's not your normal kind of corruption, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't look you would think it'd be like green. Like that's what we've been taught, right? Like some kind of just poisony looking thing. Yeah, he's mad because he's all out of cap and crunch. He's mad. He's hungry. Missed his buffet, his Sunday buffet, all you can eat. And he looks he looks like super corrupted too. He looks like he's got a dusting of some type of a purple fungi on him. Yeah. When you look at Marcelock himself. Yeah. He looks, he looks pretty gnarly. That's for sure. <gasps> okay. I'm looking too far ahead. I'm looking at the armor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't do that yet. Oh, That's your job, God. by the way. You're, you're talking about that. I don't know if you know that. Okay. All right. So uh, Finnegan continued. Um... Oh, no. We talked about that. Sorry. All right. So uh, regarding Marcelock, Finnegan continued, quote, as players fought dragons in Sunspire and elsewhere, they realized the challenge is intended for more than a group. We wanted to keep that feeling that dragons aren't just normal monsters to be defeated. In order to do that, we kept health over the course of three fights. It also allowed us to show different aspects of dragon encounters, from flying to perching to eventually fighting on the ground. Now, we do have some pretty sweet loot, and uh, I'm really liking this heavy armor set. Why don't you go ahead and tell them about it? It's amazing. Should you succeed in ending Marcelok's corruption, you'll loot a host of unique rewards and collectibles, including three new gear sets and a monster helm. This includes Dragon's Defilement, a new heavy set that debuffs nearby enemies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take a little, take a little look-see at this here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that bow, oh my word. The staff's mm-hmm. got like a little spider at the top. This is a really, really cool looking dragon's defilement. It's a heavy set. Uh, two items boost your stamina by 1100. Three items, another 1100 stam boost. Four items boost your health by 1206. And here's the kicker. Five items when you take damage from a melee attack... Gain a corrupting aura for five seconds that applies minor fracture and minor breach to all enemies near you, lowering their physical and spell resistance by 1320. This can occur once every five seconds. Dude, that I... could be a new BIS. <sighs> Best in slot. This is crazy talk, but I want to take this on a medium for like a nor what's normally a medium armor tune, you know, like the bow bow build. In the PvP. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, boost some bonuses, but this is just sounds fun. I know it it's could. I know it's odd, but you know that's what we're about. So yeah, you know, it certainly but could be. I love this whole debuff thing. Yeah. Really, really cool concept. No, it could really be an awesome set. So to continue, the um, gear sets layer Marslock will also reward players with new achievements, of course, new mementos, new furnishings, and finally, should you complete both layer Marslock and Moongrave Fane, you'll receive a new tablet collectible, allowing you to unlock a new wing within the Hall of the Lunar Champion home. 
Ta-ta. I'm so excited for that. That has been a big question that's been going on. Like, hey, how do you unlock the schnibs on the schnibs? Well, that's how. All you got to do is go through and beat them both on normal, and you're good to go. I'm all about that. Yeah. I'm ready for that ne- that new wing to be unlocked. I think we were going to... Um, I thought you and I were going to go do this without even looking at mechanics or anything. Just started on vet. I'm game. I mean, I'm ready for a nut crunch. Ouch. Sign me up. I'll tell you right now, if it's anything like Moon Hunter Keep on Vet, then GG. <laughs> we already get nut crunched on content that we know the mechanics in. Yeah. Yeah, we got to do this. Yeah. We got to do this. It looks so good. So anyway, yeah, Lair Marcelock. It's looking. These dungeons are really, really looking good. And I really like the way the armor looks. I know you mentioned it, but it just, you know, especially with the Dragon Guard coming later in the year, I just like the way that these are have been developed. Very Dragonbone-esque, but not too much. Looks really cool. They did a good very job. Very Dragonboner. Yeah, very Dragonbone. All right, so the Elder Scrolls Online Elsewhere soundtrack, by the way, is now available. We're going to gloss over this real quick, but uh, this coming to me is so official. You can listen to this, and I know those of you in chat were listening to it before the show started. On iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, uh, MP3, Amazon Streaming, and Google Play. It's really, really good. It's really, really good. Very good. That first song, I know you know it, if you play the game, it gives you chills. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, When composing the Elsewhere soundtrack, the team worked hard to ensure... The Khajiit had their own sound distinct from other cultures of Tamriel. ESO's audio director, Brad Derrick, said, Oh, man, Brad, this a good job of music. If you're listening, you do great. Uh, quote, I wanted something uniquely Khajiit-sounding while still fitting in the rest of the ESO soundtrack. So I started with the established ESO orchestral style, but composed all the music using a non-traditional scale that works as the basis for the musical language of the Khajiit. Some new instrumental textures were introduced as well to give this music a distinct identity. Quainan and Esraj players performed alongside the orchestra and choir. They were also used as accompaniment for the bard songs and player emotes. Finally, solo vocal elements were brought to the brought to the fore. Yeah, brought to the fore to give the soundtrack a sense of intimacy and to emotionally connect the player to the game world of elsewhere end quote so yeah i am about to tell the world how completely uncultured i am seriously i had no idea that the ezraj was a real world thing i'm like now on wikipedia (laughs) looking at the ezraj i mean i i thought it was like an elder scrolls name of an instrument but no it's a real thing Mm -hmm. the ezraj which mm-hmm. is by far now my favorite. I mean, even way more than the loot. I love to sit down on my butt in the middle of a dungeon if someone's AFKing for some reason or selling stuff, and I play the Ezrash. Mm-hmm. And now I know well, it's, it's a real thing. I feel really stupid right now. <laughs> I don't care. It's amazing. And this is why. Mm. The very opening song that I talked about that I love so much, right? Yeah, yeah. That song is is just the beginning of what the soundtrack makes me feel. 
the soundtrack, the entire thing makes me feel the struggle of the Khajiit during this timeline. I mean, they're, you know what I mean? Like they're experiencing an incredible tragedy across their land. Their, Their people are being butchered and murdered and burned alive. And, you know, and at the same time, um, the Manhattan flu is not completely gone. It's still like little remnants of it are still there. But imagine what happened through the whole of elsewhere when the Manhattan flu was at its peak. Yeah. The devastation. And now they got through that for the most part. And now they're getting hit by all these dragons invading their land. So it tells the story. That music really does bring home the peril that they're going through. I agree 100%. I don't think I could really add anything. That That's perfectly said. Like, I agreed. It expresses what they're going through. And um, really what the zones are going through as well, the land of the Khajiit itself. Right. You know, with, um, perfectly said. Agreed 100%. I wonder how hard it would be to learn how to play the Ezraj. Well, you really can't walk without falling. So I really don't think you have the dexterity... <laughs> intellect to play a musical instrument. Could you imagine me like on some street corner just like <laughs> I would pay money. I'd pay, I'd pay top dollar. That's exactly why I'd be there. I'd have like a, a little cowboy hat and just flip it upside down and be like, hey, you're going to like my music. You're going to be a like the naked up. cowboy in NYC and be that guy. <laughs> no. I didn't say I would play <laughs> it, the Ezra naked. I'd call you the naked Khajiit. No, I'd be fully clothed. Maybe I'll wear a cat shirt. Something like that. Because that's not creepy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, everyone, it's time for Dungeon Lore. Dungeon Lore, my friends. Shopping your swords. Yeah, do whatever you're going to do. We're going to talk about Darkshade Caverns (laughs) 2 today. We hit Darkshade's Cavern 1. Darkshade Caverns 1 yesterday or last week. Oh, my God. It's real. Um, anyway, let's talk about it this week. A lot of the stuff is pretty much the same, but there are some different things we're going to talk about. No, we're really not going to talk mechanics in this one. We may get into mechanics when we start getting into the harder DLC dungeons, which are coming pretty quick because we're kind of clicking along on dungeon lore a little bit. So when you're loading into Darkshade Caverns 2, you have a little story story is these caves have the distinction of being one of the most famous Kwama mines in Deshaun. Dark elves consider Kwama eggs a delicacy and those harvested from Darkshade Caverns are particularly prized by Dunmary Gourmet. You will find Darkshade Caverns in Siltreen, that is in Deshaun. It's in southeastern Deshaun. And one of the quests that you can get, it's the second quest in the series... This one is called What Was Lost, and here's the story behind it. This quest starts out with a conversation with a mage by the name of Shatasha inside Darkshade Caverns. She requests your party's help investigating the Dwemer ruins and finding the owner of the mine, Nirvina. Nirvina? Nirvina? Nirvina. Nirvana. Yeah, not the grunge band. Nirvina. So, as Deshaun's largest Kwama mine, the cavern's ownership is very, very hotly contested. 
The caverns also contain the hidden Dwemer ruin. Here's the word again of Kugams. That's what I'm saying, because they are silent. In the normal version, uh, Turver Sadri wants you to help him reclaim his mind from thugs within. So basically what's happening, Nirvina's lost in there. She's the actual owner of the mine. There's still some quarrel about who actually owns the mine, but there's so many Kwama in there that you are requested to assist. So um, you can also learn a little bit more about this location just by listening to Mad Zeba outside of Elden Root. She kind of tells a story about it. Uh, Lady Blade does the same outside of Wayrest or Hranir Icy Main outside of Mournhold. So kind of everywhere you can hear the story, uh, at least in all the capital cities, you can hear the story of um, what's going on in Darkshade Caverns. Okay. What kind of enemies are you going to run into in there? Kwama, of course. There's uh, Scrib, there's Warriors, and there's Kwama Workers. There's Miners in there, Fallen and Transmuted. There's also Fallen and Transmuted Marksmen. There's Dwemer Constructs in there. You're going to find Dwarven Centurions, Dwarven Spiders, Dwarven Spears. Now the mini-bosses. The Fallen Foreman, who's another Corrupted Miner. You're going to have to get through him. There's a transmuted Aelit, and um, accompanying him is a trio of Aelit. And then there's the engine garrison, a large group of Dwemer constructs. Now the bosses in there that are going to net you some gear that Jibs is going to talk about is the transmuted Hive Lord, which is an unusually large Kwama warrior and his companion Scribs. Then there's Grobel the transmuted, a large Netch and his Netchlings. This fight is kind of a pain in the butt on Vets. Uh, it's just a pain. So there's that. Uh, then there's the Engine Guardian. And this is a giant Dwemer spider guarding the Dwemer mechanism that puts out all kinds of poisons. So you got to, like, shift levers, and then he'll, like, drop to the ground. You can drop all your AoEs on him then. It's actually a pretty fun boss. Anyway, get through all that. You're going to get some gear sets. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to get gear. You want to know what it is? Pretty sure they do. All right, here it is. Netch's <laughs> uh, Touch. This is the light set. So two items adds 833 spell crit. Three items adds 1096 maximum magicka. Four items adds 129 spell damage. And five items adds 400 spell damage to your shock damage abilities. So next up, we got the Strength of Automaton. This is the medium armor set. Adds 833 weapon crit. 1096 max stam, 129 weapon damage, and 400 weapon damage to your physical damage abilities. And finally, you have the Armor of Truth. Not to be confused with the Sword of Truth. All right, you have five, no, 833 <laughs> weapon crit, 1096 max stam, 129 weapon damage, and at five items, when you set an enemy off balance, your weapon damage is increased by up to 450 for 10 seconds. Uh, for the monster helm set, we've got the Engine Guardian. One piece adds 129 uh, health recovery. Two items. When you use an ability, you have a 10% chance to summon a Dwemer Automaton to restore over 1,200 health, stamina, or magicka to you every 0.5 seconds for 6.5 seconds. That's fun. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't really see that set used, but that sounds... I mean, that's fun. No, I, 
I think I've picked up the shoulder about a million times, but no, I don't see that really see that one getting used. Yeah. For achievements, we've got the Darkshade Caverns 2 Vanquisher, so you beat all the bosses, right? Darkshade Caverns 2 Conk, you uh, beat all the bosses, but on Vet. Deadly Engineer, defeat the Engine Guardian in Darkshade Caverns 2 without anyone in your group activating an engine lever. Ooh, that'd be a good one to try. That'd be fun. Uh, man, I'm really, and I know I'm, I've been saying this, but I really would like to get into dungeon achievements. I want 100% those things. I think that'd be fun. Especially those higher-end dungeons. Oh, man. I think we could do that one, Deadly Engineer one. That doesn't seem like it's too hard. Especially with good DPS. Just freaking melt that thing down. Yeah, and I'll nod off in the back with some heals. <laughs> that would be one you're going to need to heal, because those poisons can get lethal. It gets legit. Okay. Quite ridiculous, actually. Uh, veteran Construct Slayer, defeat 800 Dwarven Constructs. Veteran Kwama Slayer 2, defeat 200 Kwama. And then you've got the Darkshade Caverns 2 Survivor. That's a no-death run. Basically, you don't die the entire time, right? Good Dark luck. Shade... Yeah, exactly. Darkshade Caverns 2 Assassin. That's a speed run. Beat the entire dungeon in 20 minutes. Timer starts upon engaging the first group of Kwama. Totally and doable. That... Agreed. And that, my friends, is your Dungeon Lore for the week. So, it's time for... That kind of special or lesson. Watch your nuts. Cash. Cover your groin section, apparently. My friends, lore lesson number 68. We are covering the Dragon Guard tonight. Why? Because with the upcoming release of the Scalebreaker dungeon DLC for ESO, we thought it might be appropriate to detail a very iconic organization in Tamriel's history... Because in the new dungeon, a former member of the fabled Dragon Guard and his band of vampires have captured a dragon within the ancient ruins of Moongrave Fane. The fallen Dragon Guard has sinister plans to extract the power of the captured dragon's blood and use it for his own evil purposes. Now, at the end of the month, we'll get to see how the story plays out. But... There's a little, little taste of the dungeon lore for the new DLC that's coming out. Anyway, on top of this, we just a couple of weeks ago, or a week and a half or so ago, released a Roads Less Traveled, our video series on the Dragon Guard. So I figured I would do a full lore lesson on the Dragon Guard because of how interesting they are and where they came from. So buckle up. Let's do it. Okay. The Dragon Guard of the Second Era. Who are they? What role did they have in the history of Tamriel and what role do they have in its future? Well, the ones that we know of the Second Era were descendants of a race that has since gone extinct in the story of Nern. At least as far as we know. The Seishi, or the Seishi, Seishi, Seishi. One more time, just words, to be clear. Words. Okay. <laughs> it can be, it can be pronounced two different ways: Seishi or Seishi. I'm going to prefer Seishi. Yeah. So there's that. So, okay. So anyway, who were they? They were a vampiric race of serpent folk, and or humanoids 
who originated on the continent of Akavir. These are your original, some of your original Akavir. Akaviri. Akavir is located to the east of Tamriel, and it was the home to four unrelated races who were all referred to as the Akaviri. Anything that came from Akavir makes sense, is known as the Akaviri. Let's talk a little bit about these four races. We've already talked about them before in some of the uh, the lore lesson, I believe, on the lesser known races of Tamriel, but we're going to hit them again. There are four distinct races that lived on Akavir. The first were the snow demons of Kamal. Kamal is one of the nations of Akavir and was inhabited by a frozen demon race. They were known to thaw out once per year and all they would do once they thawed was launch attacks on the other nations of Akavir. And a majority oh. of their attacks were focused on the Tangmo. We're going to talk about the Tangmo in a minute. The next, actually just talking about it right now, the monkey people of Tangmo. These were known as monkey people. The Tangmo were a monkey-like race inhabiting the Thousand Monkey Isles in Akavir. They spent much of their existence defending their nation against the attempts to enslave the entire race, specifically from the snow demons of Kamal. They were not nice. Then there were the tiger dragons of uh, Kapotun, also known as Potun. Potun. Kapotun. Gosh, the words. Anyway, mm. this tiger-like cat race found on the continent of Akavir were very similar to the Khajiit and the Lilmothit. Their leader, Tashraka, was said to have had the ability to transform into a large orange and black dragon. Unconfirmed! Just saying. Because that sounds pretty awesome. Like, this orange is the new black dragon. I don't know. Sounds like a good show. Then the fourth race of Akavir were the serpent men of Seishi. Serpent-like Seishi originated from the wandering Elnafei, which were the fated descendants of the Adra who actually walked Tamriel with the ancestors of men and myrrh. So the biggest thing to remember is that the Seishi were serpent-like. And at some point, that kind of faded off. And the Seishi were no longer serpent-like. I don't freaking know how. There's nothing that tells how. I just know that from the research that I did that there are Seishi, the old, Seishi of old were serpent-like and they eventually became not serpent-like. Man, wouldn't that be a fun expansion? Yeah. Like to where That's... the Seishi is not completely gone. That would be amazing. Uh, yeah. Wow. Just Akavir, period. Like, that's what we were talking oh. about when we were, then we were, when we were talking about where we'd yeah. like to see it go. And I would love to see Akavir and Atmora and all these different places. Would literally be the epitome of military design when it comes to troops. Like, they're skill in battle and everything would just be even larger than the Red Guard. I think you might be very correct on that. And and the reason being, that's actually a perfect segue 
into what the Seishi were known for. Um, and trust me, we're going to get there because it's, it's pretty freaking cool. A uh, little fun fact for you. The Seishi, having consumed all of the men on Akavir, killed them all, then turned their sights on the dragons in the region. And this goes, plays perfectly off what Jibs was just talking about. They managed to enslave the red dragons on Akavir, but the black dragons fled to the Potoon for assistance. A great war ensued in which the Seishi and the Potoon were both weakened over time, with the Seishi eventually leaving Akavir to pursue their dragon hunting elsewhere. Uh-huh. Not in elsewhere, but elsewhere, other than Akavir. Oh. So what that means to me is that somewhere on Akavir, the black dragons still exist. I'm just saying there was no closure there. Cash needs closure, people. See what I'm saying? It's true. He really does. He, he doesn't does. get it. He gets angsty. He, he, he does. He needs his cap and crunch. Okay. Anyway. And then I get a phone call. After nearly conquering all of the dragons on their home continent of Akavir. A large contingent of these dragon hunters set their sights on Tamriel in the first era, year 2700. Remember, the first era was incredibly long. Upon we their, know this. Upon their arrival, they got right to work and were very successful in slaying many dragons in the region of Skyrim in an event they coined the Crusade. I think they killed like 20... No, I'm wrong. It was in the teens. We're going to get there. Oh, yep, it's right below. Okay, anyway, I'll shut up and keep reading. The Akaviri dragon hunters gained a reputation on Tamriel, and the remaining dragons feared the organization and fled from their approach in an attempt to survive. At least 14 dragons were known to have been slain by the invading Akaviri. Another little fun fact for you. Wow. The most notable dragon to survive the dragon hunting Seishi was Parthenax, a lieutenant of Alduin during the Dragon War. The Akaviri were aware of his presence atop the throat of the world, but they also knew that he was protected by the Greybeards. And because of the Akaviri dragon hunter's policy to not directly confront the Greybeards, Parthenax was spared a confrontation. Oh, I love this lore. I thought that was very interesting. Like, yeah. the, the Seishi are not afraid of anything. They're willing to hunt and kill dragons, but they will not mess with the Greybeards. Mm. Yeah, that's profound. I love this lore. It's yeah, so good. It's really good. Okay. So the Akaviri dragon hunters continued to hunt dragons, which had fled Akavir until they were confronted by the forces of Remen Cyrodiil at a very pivotal battle in Pale Pass in Cyrodiil. The battle was very short, and it ended when the Akaviri surrendered suddenly to Remen's forces. Now, why do you ask did they surrender? They proclaimed that they had been searching for the leadership that they saw in Remen, and they joined his forces on the spot. Super weird, and I could hmm. not find anything else related to that. Like, what? They came all the way across the sea 
to hunt dragons and look for a better leader? It didn't make any freaking sense to me. Yeah. Seems a little rando, doesn't it? It does. But when you think about like even basic human nature, basic human nature in that people want to be led. Yeah. And so do serpents. So I continue. Mm. Together, the forces of the Akavir and Remen's Imperial Legion would continue to take over most of Tamriel. Now, eventually, Remen Cyrodiil would take the throne of the Emperor, and he would found the Second Empire. The best and the wisest of the Seishi, who joined forces with Remen, would become known as the Dragon Guard, and they would answer only to Remen Cyrodiil or his descendants. Fiercely loyal, for what reason we do not know, but pretty incredible what they became. So following their initial successes under the guidance of the Empire, the Dragon Guard wouldn't always see eye to eye with the person sitting on the throne. It wasn't always a Remen. So during the reign of Emperor Kastav in the first era, year 2801, a disagreement ensued when the Emperor ordered the seizing of hostages from Skyrim due to their unmet conscription quotas. Now what's conscription? Military draft, basically. He wanted a certain amount of uh, certain age males to be used mm-hmm. for soldiers. And they were like, right. we're not doing that. We need people. Uh, no. We need people to chip ice. So anyway, what ended oh. up happening? <laughs> Emperor Kostov was not a very happy man when it uh, came to the Nords. So when the Dragon Guard disagreed with the orders that the emperor had set out for them to seize hostages from Skyrim because of the unmet conscription they refused to fight against the rebellion so the dragon guard were in a really really difficult spot they're like no we're not doing that these people are just trying to live and you're trying to force us to seize innocent people oh no 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 so anyway the Dragon Guard's supplies were cut off by the Empire, causing them to form an allegiance with the Reachmen. And you'll remember the Reachmen are the Wild Bretons. Yeah. The Witchmen of High Rock. That's who they are. And the squabbles between the Dragon Guard and the Empire would only be quelled when a Remen Cyrodiil II would come back into power in the first era year 2806. So for five years, they battled Emperor Kostov. The Dragon Guard would again return to Emperor Remen Cyrodiil II's side as his personal honor guard. Here's a little fun fact, and um, you Skyrim players will definitely like this one. The construction of Alduin's Wall began in the first era, year 2812, with members of the Dragon Guard across the entire empire being summoned to assist. This wall a large Akaviri mural found within the Skyhaven Temple, which was the home of the Blades. Don't worry, we'll get there. This wall is considered one of the most iconic sculptures depicting key historical events. These key historical events, the Dragon War, Gagarthorn's Rule, the Staff of Chaos, the activation of the Numidium, the Warp in the West, the fall of the Tribunal in Vardenfell, 
the eruption of the Red Mountain, the Oblivion Crisis, and the return of Alduin, the World Eater, are among the scenes that are carved into that wall. That's really, really cool. Yes. So if you can remember as part of your main quest line in Skyrim, when you walk into Skyhaven Temple, which is incredible, there's a series of things that are in place in order for you to even open Skyhaven Temple, including shedding your own blood as the player because you're Dragonborn to even open it which is really cool. And then you get in there and you will see Alduin's wall. It's amazing. And I loved, I fell in love with this lore when I was reading. I was like, that has to be a fun fact. So there you go. All right, back to the Dragon Guard. Following the death of Remen Cyrodiil III in the first era year 2920, the Dragon Guard was officially disbanded. Some of the former organization followed the Seshi Daenerys Vess and founded the Sephim. Now the Sephim, if you remember from way back one of our lore lessons last year, the Sephim is also known later as the Fighters Guild. Wow. Yeah, so when the Dragon Guard was disbanded, others became solo adventurers and found their own way. But with the rise of Versidu Shai, the Seishi advisor to Remen III, the Dragon Guard would be reformed, but focused more on military intelligence than gathering and protection. Okay, so during the Second Era, under the rule of Emperor Varen Aquilarios, the Dragon Guard would again be formed, reformed, and they would be led by none other than the legendary Red Guard swordsman by the name of Sai Sahan. Saisahan would be responsible for training many of the Dragon Guard's leaders himself, focusing on the art of swordsmanship, leadership, and battleground tactics. And by the time this happened in history, the Dragon Guard were no longer only comprised of Seishi, but of all races of Tamriel. So you didn't have to be an ancient Ekavir anymore. A lot of them were dying off. But any race in Tamriel, depending on your skill and prowess and how you could make it through, you could end up mm. being part of the Dragon Guard. Now, it gets more interesting. Fun fact. During the Three Banners War, a Dragon Guard outcast would be responsible for assisting with the ending of Molagbal's influence in the Imperial City. This is part of your quest line in ESO. Known as the Drake of Blades, this mysterious female Imperial assassin would work alongside the Vestige to liberate the Imperial City from the Daedra. I'm sure you can remember that if you played through your main questline. Okay, this is where it got really interesting and where I really kind of, I, I started to love it. This is, this is the end of the lore lesson, but it's not the end of what happens to the Dragon Guard. Sometime after the events of the Alliance War, the Dragon Guard would disband and reform and they'd be sworn back into service of the Dragonborn. Now you'll remember this from Skyrim. Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, it's even it's even prior to Skyrim. The new organization, whose patron deity was Talos, was known as the Blades. Oh. 
And I'm going to end it there because at, at some point we'll cover the blades again, even though it's not in our timeline, in ESO's timeline. What do we care? It's Elder Scrolls lore. It's the blades, and man. And we love it. And it's the blades. So, I mean, that, it, that lends to so much lore outside of ESO. Yeah. You know, as as the third era ensues and the fourth era ensues, and then also right into the um, the mobile game, the blades. Oh, absolutely! So, hundred percent. Gotta love this lore. Gosh. So good. That was good. That's got me all kinds of hype for Dragonhold. Yeah, and heck, it's got me all kinds of hype just to you know experience more of the Seichi. I mean. Yeah, Ooh. I really would like to learn more about them because they seem like an absolutely incredible race. Agreed, 100%. Agreed. Well done, bro. Well done. That was good. All right, friends. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lore Seekers podcast. And if you did, we hope whatever app you're using, you'll be sure and leave a review for the show. But for every five-star review that we get on iTunes, we show you some love with a shout-out on the show. And we got a couple here. First one here is uh, C. Howard 13 from the USA. says, love this show and love the community that it has fostered. Join their Xbox Guild and everyone has been so welcoming and helpful. Great for new players. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you, sir. Why don't you take the next one? This one is from Jackson Herman and he's in the USA. He says, this show is kind of a hybrid show in the perfect way. It's a half show about the lore of Elder Scrolls world all the little nooks and crannies of the franchise so many of us enjoy. And it's half a show about ESO and its active community. Jibs and Cash care passionately about this game and the people who play it, and their positivity about the game and folks they love bleeds into every episode. And while those are the principal components, there's so much more to enjoy, and the entire guild and discord of lovely people too. If you play ESO, I highly recommend this podcast. That's really nice. Thank you, Jackson. That Thank was you. pretty amazing. Much appreciated. Yeah, no kidding. Shout outs. We do have a shout out. Um, in, you know, last week we shouted Aramethius out um, from written in, the Written in Uncertainty podcast. Um, he was going through a little rough patch, and it seems like he's got everything sewn up, quite literally. So, Aramethius, we're glad you're on the mend, and um, we just wish you well and uh, continue your path to recovery, my friend. Agreed. And uh, again, don't forget, you can always call us and we encourage you put this in your contacts. You know, maybe you have a question that pops in your head, something that just strikes you about ESO or about Elder Scrolls or Elder Scrolls lore in general. Put put this phone number in your contact, 765-382-6961, 765-382-6961. You can call us 365, seven days a week. It'll take you right to our voicemail. And uh, if you want to play it on the show, try to keep around a minute or less, and uh, we'll do our best to put in. You can also email us, loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com. Now, if you're wanting to join our Discord server, our community, and meet lore seekers from literally all over the globe, well, visit loreseekerspodcast.com forward slash guild, download the Discord, join our Discord server, and visit Apply to Guild. The apply to guild channel and just type slash apply and hit enter you'll get dm'd on that guild application fill it out we like what we see you're in you can find this show wherever podcasts are free all apps wherever it's free 
we're there. And if you want even more Lore Seeker content, be sure to check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Lore Seekers, and our official website, loreseekerspodcast.com. You want to go there and actually read the Lore Lessons? You can. They're there. Cash puts them up there for you and does a great job at it. Cash, where can they find us? You can find us also on Twitter. You can find Jibs at Jibs IRL. You can find Cash at Lore Seeker Cash, and the Cash is with a K. But most importantly, follow the show. We are on Twitter at Lore Seekers Cash. <laughs> We're on Twitter at Lore Seekers <laughs> Cast. Dude, I F these up every single week. <laughs> oh, bless yourself. Shut up. Okay, we're on Twitter at Lore Seekers Cast. We're on Instagram at Lore Seekers. And of course, we're right here at our home on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Lore Seekers Podcast. Friends, thanks so much. We hope you had a great week. We hope you have a great week ahead. And stay safe, stay awesome. We love you. And before we go, we like to end on an encouraging word. Hey, keep grinding. You're going to get to where you want to be. And you may be climbing right now up the side of the mountain, but you're going to get there. I promise you. Have a great week. See you guys. Cash's encouraging word, whiskey helps. Dilly dilly! Dilly dilly! And this was NPR with Jibs and Cash. We'll see you next week. End it, Jibs. You suck. <laughs>